Well, and welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us this week. It's me, David, and Brent, and we're thinking a little bit about the latest coming out of the USDA big report week. Uh, of course, the Wazi report came out and closed a few questions that we have had open for uh, several months now. It was about corn and soybean stocks for the crop we just harvested. And for corn, we asked the question, what's the probability of the January WASI report uh, estimating 10% or less for corn stocks use, and also for soybeans, 5% or less stocks use ratio. And we started this question back in August. So we have to sort of do a little bit of time traveling to realize just where things are at. And, you know, to kick this off, both of these questions closed as a no. Uh, Stocks came in above both of these levels for both of these crops. It came close for corn, but they were both above. So Brent, feel free to jump in here, but I'm going to start talking a little about corn. Corn was at 10.4%. It was actually uh, at 10% back in December. So they raised the stocks just a little bit. And if you look back at the consensus, you can see the consensus back in September got as high as 80, 85%. And then it had fallen over the last several months. And it was this story of the corn situation came a little less tight. And you can see we've uh, shared here on the screen, if you're watching, we've shared every single month of the USDA's projections. So in August, we got to a low of 8.5% stocks use, and now we're at 10.5%. So on one hand, it's the highest stocks we've estimated in the last nine months, but it's also not all that much different than where we've been the last few months, or even back in May when the USDA first estimated this. Yeah, the interesting thing about it, it kind of came in where everybody expected yeah, excuse me. Ah, big sneeze. Sorry about that. Um, so not a lot of change. I mean, pretty steady there through the last few months. That's not totally uncommon. So the other thing we're going to talk a little bit about here is soybeans. And I think this is one where if you've been following the data, uh, soybean stocks have been well above the 5% threshold really since October. They are at 7.8% in December, that 8% now, much bigger today than they've been at any other time estimated. So it seems like it was an obvious question when you answered it or updated your forecast, but we also have to step back and see how much conditions have changed. So stocks were initially estimated at 2.6% back in May. In August, when we opened the question, they're at 3.5%. So the consensus has changed quite a bit over the last several months. Um, and I think what makes the forecast network really valuable is to challenge yourself to think, um, how do my expectations change over time? Because in a lot of ways, the marketing outlook, for, especially for soybeans, has dramatically shifted. It's kind of that frog in the boiling pot of water, right? Uh, it was a subtle change. And it's important that if we don't update our expectations, we kind of lose track of where we are in the entire situation. Yeah, that one's really dramatic, isn't it? It's, you know, people were over 70%, you know, chance it was going to be under 5%. And you know, we ended at 40 and it ended well, you know, the, the actual stocks were way, way above this. So I think useful to step back and think about that. I think on corn too. And what I think particularly with corn, you know, is probably of the two, the, tighter situation i guess and that's probably why you know when you start talking to people that are thinking there's gonna be a lot of corn acres planted next year we're just gonna have to wait and see how this 
ultimately evolves because South America, obviously, you've got a bigger, you know, South America is super important to the soybean situation and still quite a bit of uncertainty there as well. So yeah, Brent, to add to some data to your point there about corn being relatively tighter, on average, for the last two decades, corn stocks uh, around 13% for a, a long run average. We're at 10% right now or 10.4. Soybeans are you know, around 8% as the average. And so we're hanging out right at that average. So corn is a little bit you know, more below that long run average than soybeans are. Thinking about acreage, I guess one last point I want to share here is I had to reflect a little bit on my forecast for corn. I had a, uh, a pretty aggressive forecast for the corn stocks. I estimated that 10% chance of it being above, uh, or, or excuse me, 10% chance that this final number be below the 10% threshold. In hindsight, that got me a really good score, but that was probably a really too confident of a forecast. I probably should have been closer to that 50% confidence level because we were right around 10% before came in at 10.4%. So this is another way to sort of step back and say, did I have a truly good forecast or did I just, you know, score well? And so I scored well in this one, um, especially at the end, but I, I probably shouldn't have been so confident given where the final outcome was. Yeah. Cause it was really close. Wasn't it? And if you think about that, yeah. with your probability, you're probably saying, you know, you were probably guessing it's going to be well below that 10%. And uh, that's a good point to think about. Sometimes we get focused on a score or whatever, and we, we kind of lose sight of what the metric really is. At least it makes me feel better about my score, which wasn't nearly as good as yours. <laughs> I didn't tell you what my score was. I was just <laughs> telling you. I, I guess it was pretty good given that it was that low. So uh, <laughs> I think I was, I think it was a 57th percentile for that one. Oh, is that uh, all? This is another example, right? When you can have a good forecast, but sometimes somebody does better than you. And so there's a lot of people who had really good forecasts. So congratulations. I'll share the one that I didn't get a good forecast on now. And this is winter wheat acreage. So winter wheat came in this week at 34.4 million. So if you're not closely following it, that's up about 800, 750,000 acres over 2021 or a 2% increase. It's also a 4 million acre increase or 13% since 2020. So we've seen this uptick in winter wheat acres. The forecast network question asks, the probability of it being more than 35 million acres. And I was a little, uh, probably a little too aggressive for that one. And the outcome was no, my forecast was in the 20th percentile for that one. And so you can see the forecast network consensus was pretty aggressive for this one as we came in closer, but ultimately it fell short of that 35 million acre threshold. Yes. That one's interesting too. I, I mean, I thought it was going to be higher than that. Um, too. But I think, again, keep in mind the big picture here is that uh, winter wheat acres are up. Uh, and we've talked about this before. The situation now is such that many different crops are bidding for acres in, in 2022. Whereas in the past few years, it's like, who is going to take the winter wheat acres that nobody wants to plant? And um, now with a lot of stress in the winter wheat crop in the southern United States, you have to be, and one has to think that wheat's going to be pretty competitive this year, more so than it's been for a long time. The prices are, of course, uh, suggesting that as well. So we still have spring wheat, but 
Brent, you and I talk about this. This is the first data point we have for the 2022 acreage debate. And that's why we're talking about it. I think it's easy for folks to overlook this. This didn't get a lot of attention, but in general, when wheat acreage increases, that is less acreage that's going to get pushed into the corn and soybeans. In fact, it's probably pulled a few acres of corn and soybean production back over. I do know with wheat, I get the um, the backyard report a little bit too much. Brent, of course, was telling me about all this wheat that was getting planted following corn out there. My dad and brother in Kansas were telling you about all the wheat that they planted and they saw got planted. I was out there in Kansas in, in Nebraska for some meetings here in December. I saw all this wheat. And so I had the dashboard uh, kind of the front view of my car and the, the, the phone calls, they really bias my thinking here on this one a little bit, but it's still going to be important for that acreage debate. Brent, to wrap this up today, you wrote a great article um, talking about farmland capitalization rates. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So farmland prices have been on an absolute tear uh, through the whole country. And uh, we've talked about this before. I mean, it's driven by two key things. One, the incomes are now up quite a bit, but the other thing is these really low interest rates. And uh, that's shown in the capitalization rates, which are at the lowest um, we've ever seen. Um, so, you know, we've got, I don't know, what is that, like 40, almost 50 years of data shown in those charts. And we're at the all-time lows for capitalization rates, which means that people are valuing future earnings more dearly than they ever have at any other time. Uh, in other words, they're willing to pay a lot for those future earnings. Um, and we, we kind of took, I took away a few things from this. One, um, that those cap rates are really low, but they've been low for a long time. And uh, it does appear that they have stopped declining uh, at least not declining very much anymore. So I think the chances of those capitalization rates going much lower is small at this point. Um, so maybe that has stopped. Um, the second thing we see is that there is a difference or a uh, those capitalization rates are trading at a premium to the 10-year treasury right now, or in other words, they're higher than those treasury rates. And that has been the case for quite a while. And that I think reflects the fact that those treasury rates are really, really low, uh, really, really low. And so, you know, to me, there's a lot of uncertainty here. And everybody seems to be talking about higher interest rates now. And we all know that that you know, discussion can change really rapidly. But I think if when I, when I step back and think about it, w what's the practical side of it? Well, if if we start changing by a hundred basis points, uh, these farmland prices aren't going to completely fall out of bed. If we start talking about much bigger interest rate changes, uh, long term interest rate change, it can have a much more dramatic impact on farmland values. And so take a look at the article. It's all laid out there. I think that right now that is a, a pretty big risk to the farmland market. So uh, as a bit of a segue, uh, it's a great article that Brent put together. I, I wrote an article this week that looked at the 
how much change there has been in the past over a 12-month period in interest rates. And I looked at the Fed funds, also looked at the, the longer-term rates. And Brent, what was interesting in that is we think about the 1980s as a period of high interest rates. But what I also saw in that data is interest rates were all over the board. And so when we started thinking about how big of a change could we see in a year or two, take a look at that article because we saw a lot of rate changes in the past. And in the 80s, it was very dramatic. But we've seen you know, years where there's been 200 basis points worth of change uh, unfold in that period of time. So it's helpful to step back and think like, well, how much change could occur in just a year? It, the outcome per usual was wider than what I would have initially expected. I think there was one point in the 80s where the basis increased or the interest rates increased uh, a thousand basis points, which is kind of a hard thing to think about. But when you look at the data, the Fed was moving rates aggressively during that period. So I think that's all we have for this week. Thank you all for joining us. Make sure you check out the articles. Update your forecast. We have a lot of uh, forecast questions that are new in the last few weeks, so check those out. In the meantime, stay curious. Thanks, David.